Hi there, I'm Dan, and welcome or welcome back, maybe, to the Shaw Vineyard Church podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take just a moment to subscribe in iTunes or in your podcast app of choice. That way, you can get every message from our church straight away on whatever device best suits you. You know, it's our hope that the message that you're about to hear in this episode would encourage you to take your best next step in your faith journey. So let's get straight into it. Boy, it was pretty exciting last week. I listened to last week's nines. I don't know if Bronte's not here, is she? I haven't seen her yet, but Victoria's here. Well done. Jared's here. Well done. Didn't they do a great job? There was lots of applause. I was jealous. It's like I, didn't, I never get applauded. No, no pressure or anything like that, but there you go. There were whoops and hollers and all of those sorts of things. You guys did a great job. So thank you for um, kind of putting yourselves out there. I wasn't here last week. I was um, over in the uh, lead the Vineyard College in New Zealand, and it's been one of my great delights over the last um, couple of years to be involved in a group, sort of international group, mainly a US group called Vineyard Scholars who are committed really to stretching in, in areas of theology and, and um, uh, you know, kind of current life, all sorts of ways of looking at um, the scriptures and looking at being vineyard. And, and so it's been a, a wonderful benefit to me and in the role that I play, and hopefully indirectly it'll be a benefit to us as a church, you know, kind of because it's such a stimulating environment. The thing that I want to bring tonight, though, is actually not a particularly positive thing, but I think it, t- it ties in a lot with what I want to speak about tonight. So when I was over in the States and I was, and I was um, together with those people, I, I particularly got um, connected with two churches, um, people from two churches. And these are great churches, really ch- churches that have done incredible things along the way. One of them in particular had an incredible ministry to the poor, um, halfway houses, drug addicts, all of that, and, and just a, a great ministry. The other had sort of, you know, a premises to die for. You know, they've been, you know, God had blessed them and they've done incredibly well. And so, you know, they're sort of the, they were the kind of churches that you think, oh, if, if only I could lead a church like that, if only I could inspire leaders like that. But there was a, there was a dark thing that was over them in that, um, in both cases, the churches, their senior pastors were in big trouble at the moment. One was in jail, just been jailed for sexual offences. Another was in rehab for alcohol addiction. And so I was starting to think, which was tied in with a lot of my other thinking, is like, what is really important? You know, what is, 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 is having a ministry to the poor? That sounds like a heck of a good thing to do, an important thing to do. But what is really important? You know, kind of, is it worth ending up kind of losing something along the way? What's important in, the, in, those, in those contexts? If we strip away all of the busy stuff in our life, it's what remains, you know, to, to come to the title of the message tonight. If we think about what we like to say, uh, people to say about us, say at the end of our lives, you know, sort of, you know, that was a person who... What would be the things that would be really important to us along the way? If we boil down life and faith to its, its purest, simplest essence, what would it be? What would remain? And so, you know, these days there's a little bit of a hit around this lady, isn't there, Marie Kondo? And it's like, you know, kind of, you know, getting rid of the clutter. And some of you know, some of you have watched them. I have done extensive research, 10 minutes on the internet. I've seen her top 10 points. I'm going to leave her behind now. I'm not going to, I'm not going anywhere after this. But it's like, whatever gives you joy, you know, kind of keep the stuff that gives you joy. I think that's one of her top ideas, isn't it? And it's, it's the sense of, you know, there are things that clutter our lives, aren't 
aren't the, that probably aren't what we really want and what we really need. And it's a good thing to think, you know, what remains. Jesus, I think, does a better job than Marie when he says, what use is it to gain the whole world but to lose your soul? You know, kind of what use is it to have the big church or the big ministry or the big car or the big career or whatever it might be, but to lose something along the way that's more integral, more important than what it is. And so I'm thinking about this. I've gone to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and and I think it's a really significant scripture. I want to read an abridged version from the message of verses 9 to 17, which says this, you are God's house, which is a thing in itself. You are God's house. Let each carpenter who comes on the job take care to build on the foundation. Remember, there's only one foundation, the one already laid, Jesus Christ. Take particular care in picking out your building materials. Eventually, there is going to be an inspection. If you use cheap or inferior materials, you'll be found out. If your work passes inspection, fine. If it doesn't, your part of the building will be torn out and started over. But you won't be torn out. You'll survive, but just barely. You realize, don't you, that you are the temple of God, and God himself is present in you. No one will get, with, uh, uh, no one will get by vandalizing God's temple. You can be sure of that. God's temple is sacred. And you, remember, are uh, the temple. I've heard this message or this, these scriptures preached quite often, particularly in my earlier Christian life, and it was always used as a whip. It's sort of one of those things that almost it brings out something in you as a preacher. It's like, I'll get them over this one. They won't be able to, you know, they won't be able to escape my steely glare. You know, be careful, you guys, or what you do may not be worth everything. Everything's going to be burned up, you know. You're going to get them, be only by the skin of your teeth, you know, because you don't really deserve it, and you know you don't deserve it. And warning, warning, warning. And yet when I look at this and I, and I think about this, I, I just think about this incredible breadth and generosity of the invitation of God to call us forward into the things of what he really wants us to do, to discover what remains, to discover what's important to us, and to live and walk with that. And I guess it's in that heart that I want to speak to you tonight. And so I've been asking this question, so what remains? You know, kind of what, at the end of the day, would remain if you stripped everything else aside? What's important? And so I want to share some of those ideas. would love you, in a sense, to be with me to the degree tonight that you would that you'd sort of think, oh, I'm not sure if I was speaking, if I would say those things, there might be some other things, because I think those could be real keys for you as you live your life this week and maybe as you live your life just for the rest of your life. So here's my go anyway. So I think one thing that is, we would probably agree on if we were to do our list is that Jesus remains. This is an important thing for us to be aware of and remember. Um, it says, if you, if you can remember from the scripture that we read, remember there's only one foundation, the foundation or the one that's already laid, one foundation, the foundation that's already laid. And, um, you know, as Christians, we can agree or disagree on an awful lot of things. It's actually permissible to agree or disagree on so many things. If you know something of church history, basically there have been three movements in church history, and there's a whole lot of little, you know, kind of compartments in each of these movements. So for the first thousand years of church history, there was basically what we would now call the, the Orthodox Church. And then in 1054, there was something we call the Great Schism in church history, and out of that came the Orthodox Church, and the Roman Catholic Church. That's when, when it began in 1054. And then in 1517, 1518, a guy called Martin Luther, who you may have heard of, um, uh, who was a Catholic priest in, in Germany, was sort of overwhelmed with some of the excesses that he saw. And so the Protestant Reformation that you may have heard of began, and Protestant churches 
um, came into being, we would be, I guess, a Protestant church. And so along with, I don't know, the Baptists and the Anglicans and the, the Pentecostals and the Brethren and um, the Elims and you know, kind of the various churches that you know of, um, came the Protestant church. And we are just one vegetable in the stew, as we like to say, um, in, as part of the vineyard church. So, so we, you know, kind of on a global scale, you could go to an Orthodox church. Calvin has a great story of going to the Greek Orthodox church and not knowing a, a single sense of what was going on and yet somehow being, being there in an important thing. It wouldn't look anything like this. We could disagree on practice. We could disagree on the things that we wanted to do um, because that's the sort of the background and the history that we have. And so we can disagree on lots of things. We can disagree on whether we should have loud music or, or, or quiet music, whether we should have hymns or, 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 or choruses. We can disagree on whether you know, Genesis creation is six days literally or whether there's, a, there's an evolutionary process. We can disagree on those sorts of things. I want to suggest in one sense that they're not important. We can be, go to a big church or a small church. We can, we can do lots of different things and place ourselves in different ways because none of those things are going to remain. They're just things that we pursue. But Jesus, Jesus remains. Jesus, it says, is the foundation on which we get to build walls and rooms and we get to fill these rooms. That's what we're doing today. We're filling these rooms. We're filling our, our lives. We're filling our families. We're filling our churches, not necessarily with people, but with an idea and an ideal and a, and a way to, to approach things. And we do those things, but the foundation is and needs to be Jesus. You see, Jesus remains. Jesus was here before the beginning of time. He is here now, and he will be here at the end of time. Jesus remains. Really important for us to keep in mind because sometimes we think some of the other things we do are really important. And then you go on from there, and you would have to say that love remains. Love, of course, is a really important thing. If you go to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is a a chapter that's often read in weddings, and you may well have heard it in weddings, and again, abridged, but it says this, where there are prophecies, they will cease, and where there are tongues, they will be stilled, and where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears, and it concludes in that beautiful verse. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And so in there you see that the gifts don't remain. For those who are familiar with church, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they don't remain. So the prophecy, the tongues, the knowledge it talks about, all of those are only partial, and they will eventually disappear. They're fantastic. They're wonderful to, to um, you know, include in your expression of Christian faith. I'm not knocking them at all. But ultimately, they're not going to be there at the end. But love. Love, now that's going to remain, it says so here, but, and I think we know in our heart that that's something that things are all about. And so to prophecy and tongues and, and knowledge, you can add a whole lot of other things that we have as ingredients in the lives that we live. For example, our plans, for example, our KPIs, for example, our career trajectories, for example, our theologies, for example, our buildings, uh, for example, our determination to be right and to be heard and to be known and to all of those things that we find and we think are the really important thing. All those, two th all those things, too, will be, are important to us, but they will pass away. But love, now love, that's a really important thing. So when you get to somebody's funeral or when you get to somebody's leaving speech, 
you know, maybe if somebody leaves your work this Friday or something like that, the leaving speech doesn't tend to be around how, how many items they sold or, you know, kind of what sort of, what sort of um, you know, customers that they, that they rolled in. There's a little bit of that because that's a reflection of who and what we are. But almost inevitably at a funeral or almost inevitably at some sort of momentous occasion, we talk about the kind of person that that person was. You know, that person was a great person to work with. That person was somebody who noticed on the days that I wasn't doing so well. Or when we talk about our mothers, we, if we talk dearly about our mothers, if we remembered our mothers, we wouldn't say, my mother was fantastic because she took me to Disneyland. We would say, my mother was fantastic because she sacrificed and gave up and, and, and worked extra hours and once she took our whole family to Disneyland. It would be never about going to Disneyland. It would be about the love and the caring that we experienced from our mothers. And so love is the, is the essence rather than the going to Disneyland. And yet we live, I think, quite a lot in Disneyland um, um, ideas. So at the Vineyard um, uh, event that I went to, um, uh, Carol Wimber was there. Carol Wimber is the widow of this guy. His name's John Wimber. John Wimber is the founder of the Vineyard in the 1970s. Um, and a brilliant man, incredibly brilliant man, started a movement that's in um, uh, 90 countries maybe, you know, thousands of churches, literally 25 of them here in New Zealand, including where you're sitting today, started all of that. Um, a multi-skilled musician, played to a, you know, kind of a, a, a concert sort of quality, maybe a dozen instruments, was a successful musician, was a brilliant speaker, had the ability to take complicated theological ideas and make them really simple. When we talk about you know, um, uh, the kingdom, which you'll hear quite a lot in a vineyard church, it was, it was him who took it from the theologians and took it to the street in a way so that people could actually understand it in the church. A brilliant, brilliant, brilliant man. So he died in 1997, and his wife was being interviewed on this first night of Vineyard Scholars. And they talked a little bit about what he did. And yet Carol Wimber, she said this. She said, at the end of the day, John was an um, obedient man. You know, kind of this is the summary of his wife who sat and watched these miracles take place and this massive church growth take place and all of these things. And her summary of him as a person is that he was obedient. Because love, because fruit as opposed to gifts, because character, because integrity, because of all of those things, those are what remains. Because 22 years later after he's died, those are the things that hold you rather than, yeah, I know he set all these things up, but he was, you know, kind of, he, he was loosely moraled or, you know, kind of, he, he, you know, kind of he had these terrible traits that we never knew about. But he's an obedient man. What an incredible thing to be able to say about him. And so for me, you know, I've, I've spent the last few years in a way, not in a way of trying to eliminate other things, but in a way of to trying to think and, and boil down to its essence, what are the keys to our faith? And for me, and I'm not sort of preaching this as what you've got to think, but for me, does it have Jesus as its foundation and does it have love as its core? And if we have that, then I think we agree almost on more things than we agree on when we have Jesus as our foundation and love at our core because then we are able to tra traverse that trajectory. So we can have hard conversations, difficult uh, experiences that we have along the way, but when these are our anchor points, when these are the things that will bring us together, I think it's an incredible thing.
So there are massive challenges within all of that. What does love look like? And we would probably argue, you know, kind of what, what is loving? Or, but, I, but I think actually we know when we experience love or when we experience something that's different to love. And what is Jesus and building on? We can dis- debate that till the cows come home. But those are the things that remain and those are the foundations. So to move on from there, I think another thing that remains, you know, is relationships. And, and, and this may or may not be on one of your lists if you were doing this message, but we're in Mother's Day. And um, one, of the, one of the great feminine images of God in the Scriptures, well, and, and there are lots, you have to dig a little deeper because a lot of the images of God you know, to, to, um, um, are, are masculine and male, and so it's easier for men sometimes to have a, uh, an understanding of who and what God is. But there are a lot of feminine images of God in the Scriptures, and one of them is, is as the mother bear with her cubs, and it's a, it's a beautiful sense of the imagery of God and his fierce love for us. And I think we all know, and maybe it was our own mother, or maybe we know it in ourselves if we're a mother, or maybe it's the mother that we would like to be or something, the, the fierceness and the loyalty and the protection that a mother is able to be for her cubs, and a mother bear is able to be for her cubs and for a mother to be for her children. And, um, and God is like that with us, which is a really significant thing. And so, you know, kind of we remember today, and our mothers are powerful in our lives, aren't they? Our mothers are significant, and we prayed for our mothers. You know, that will have, you know, kind of none of us, in a sense, is like, oh, ho-hum, you know, kind of my mother is a ho-hum sort of figure in my life. You know, we will all be attached to our mothers, to the relationship that we have with our mothers. She was the best mum in the whole wide world. Sort of a little kid at one of our churches down in Christchurch said, my, I love my mum so much my head could blow off, you know, that's the passion that we sort of have. Or we may have really, you know, kind of, you know, kind of really difficult memories. And it's because of this thing, relationships remain. Good relationships remain. Arguably, not so good relationships remain. Relationships remain like jobs and careers don't remain. You know, in your life, you'll do maybe lots of different jobs, maybe a few different careers along the way. They won't remain, but relationships will remain. Ian Grant, who founded the Parenting Place, in the older days he was uh, head of Youth for Christ in well, New Zealand. Um, he always used to say, you don't, on your deathbed, you don't wish you'd spent more time at the office. There's something about when you're on your deathbed, you want to have relationships. You want to have people around you who you've done time, who love you unreservedly. Um, it's an incredibly powerful thing. And then if you take that into church, this is a really significant moment for us because relationships matter more than the best thing we can do in our services. Relationships matter more than sort of, you know, worship that's powerful and inspiring or, or messages that are powerful and inspiring. You know, we just finished a series, Wild and Fire, but but it hasn't remained. It's, it's, it's just a, it's a, it's a, still a poster on the wall. And we're about to do a transmission series. And that's going to be fantastic. We're starting next week. Stanley Ross will be leading us on the first Sunday, morning and night, next Sunday. Come along. It'll be great. But in six weeks, that will be finished as well. We hope something of it remains because it's, because it's marked us along the way. But relationships, now relationships, they remain there really important, more so, I think, than preaching and programs and all of those things. And so I, was, um, I, had, a, I had a get-together with um, a couple from our church who have been in our church for maybe 20 years, maybe even a little bit more. And so been, been around for a long time, and they've stopped coming to church um, over the last couple of years. 
And, um, and so I talked to them just, just over the, about a month or so ago. I said, so, you know, this is going to be a hard conversation for me. It's going to be a hard conversation for you. But, but tell me what's happened. What, what's happened along the way? And this is what they said. They said, you know, we fell into a difficult time in our lives and the relationships we thought were there, we discovered weren't really there. And so it just seemed, I can get preaching, you know, kind of, this is talking to me, so I can get preaching better than you. They didn't actually, they were kinder than this. I can hear people preach better than you on a podcast. You know, I can, I can get worship by, you know, kind of going to um, Spotify or something like that. But relationships are the, are the things that I thought I had, and when I fell on hard times, it felt like relationships weren't happening. That's why it is so important that we connect with each other. This is not an exercise in just bringing you here and hopefully we have a few more every week and eventually we open up a wing over there and more over there or something like that and all of a sudden we're successful because we've gone from sort of 60 or 70 to, to 100 or something like that. Because if 100 of people are kind of, they don't even know each other to look in their eyes or something like that or they're not, you know, they wouldn't even notice if somebody was here or they weren't there or something like that. It's like we fail anyway, even though we look like we're successful. What's really important? Is it to have a whole lot of people or is it to have relationships that are going to last and remain? And so, you know, a positive story on that whole relationship thing is Fran and I got asked at one stage to, to pick up a sort of a, a small and, you know, kind of dwindling night church congregation indirectly i don't think there's anybody here that's that was from that congregation um but but indirectly this is the reason that we have a night service here now and when we got to that church we decided the best thing we could do was build relationships and we went um and started a home group and i think we ran that home group for three or four years or something like that and um the one of the key couples were um a couple called Pat and Patty Kerrigan. I'll just sort of say their name because may you know there may be one or two people here who remember them and and they ended up in our morning congregation, and then Pat got sick and um and eventually, about two years ago, he died and our Our home group hadn't met probably for ten years or twelve years. It was sort of way back about two thousand five two thousand six that we were doing that, but at his funeral, everybody from the home group. Who, who was really connected were there. And some of them have moved out of Auckland. Some of them were in different churches by now, all of these sorts of things. And we get together. And, you know, we're talking about, what are we talking about? Are we talking about, man, I remember that time that we did that really great study and, and you know, kind of this point of the- theological truth came out? No, we didn't mention that at all. You know, do we talk about the time, you know, sort of thing that, um, uh, uh, you know, we have worship? Or we had a program, or you know, we fasted, or something like that. No, we talked about the times that we were sitting around with a glass of wine in our hands, and we were and we were talking about real life issues, and about the time that somebody was sick, and we all gathered around them, and we and we carried them through that place and that in that particular time, or you know, the time that somebody had an accident and they had they didn't have any ability to be able to do what they needed to do the next day, and we bandied around it, and it was like those were the good times because because there had been something tangible and real. Relationships matter. Relationships are something that remain. And so in a sense, you can, you can only provide an environment and a hope 
that when we sort of share or something like that and say, turn around and meet somebody and know somebody's name, it's not kind of just a filler while I put my mic on or something like that, as much as it may feel like that. But it's like we're trying to create something here where you'd be noticed if you weren't here, where, where we know your name, where we know that tomorrow, you know, sort of you've got a job interview or you, got, you know that your boss is going to be coming and talking to you and you might even lose your job or, you know, your, your relationships are struggling or something like that so that we can be those sorts of people. And it kind of, it's sort of not something that you create as a pastor. It's something intangible, but something that's worth, that's worth just, friendships uh, really matter. And then finally, as we kind of come to, to an end tonight, um, my fourth idea of this whole thing of, uh, you know, what remains is, I would believe that another way of living always remains, that God is always inviting us to know him in a new and wonderful way. I, I, I'm just convinced that that is the case. And so those um, verses that we could flog you with, but we won't, we'll choose not to tonight, to go back to those, take particular care in picking out your building materials. Eventually there's going to be an inspection. If you use cheap or inferior materials, you'll be found out. You realize, don't you, that you are the temple of God and God himself is present in you? No one will get by with vandalizing God's temple. Uh, you can be sure of that. God's temple is sacred. And you, remember, are the temple. And so we don't want to use it as a whip. Here's how you'd use it as a whip. It's like, you know, you shouldn't smoke because you know your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit and you wouldn't want to pollute the temple of the Holy Spirit. Um, you shouldn't do porn because you know you'll be found out and then you'll be burned up and you'll only just make it. So that's the way we could preach that. But I look at this thing and I think it's so, it's probably good advice, but it's so narrow. It's like, you know, kind of we're, we're managing sin. You know, if we could just sin a little less, we might, you know, kind of. But instead what it is, it's an invitation of God to live different, to live in a different way. It's an invitation of God to, to this other way, another way. Um, I was talking to a, it's, it's, been my, it's been my job to talk to some people who don't go to church anymore. I was talking to a young guy, 23, um, just recently, not going to church, brought up in church, um, went to Christian school, sort of, you know, had a lot of, a lot of background that you'd think. And he said, um, he said no, I'm not going to church. Um, you know, I, I still believe in God and all of those things, but I'm not going to church at the moment. So I said, why are you not going to church? And he says, he says, well, People at my school and people you know, that I used to know in church, there are people who still go to church. But he says, I also see them on Saturday night at parties and they do pills on Saturday night and they, and they do children's church on Sunday morning. And he says, when I come back to church, I'm not going to do those two things. I, wanna, I, wanna, I know that coming to church is something that is a significant and important thing. And it's like, man, I think Jesus would love that answer. I think he would love the sense where there's an invitation to live in a different and better way. And so if I can, you know, kind of become a 57-year-old grumpy old man for a minute, it's like, you know, we, we you know, I, I think holiness still really matters. You know, I think, I, think, I think choosing to live in a way that is, you know, that has a high moral value. And I, you know, I don't, don't even, you know, I won't even name it because it can be, it can be different in some senses for different things because, you know, Jesus, the foundation, love, and all of those sorts of things. We may disagree on what some of those things are, but it's like 
this is really significant, that we're called to, to live, not because we'll get our, our slapped over the wrists if we don't do that, but we're called to live in a different invitation, not the strict you know, kind of whipping invitation, but the constant invitation is to live in another way. And that, in a small way or a massive way, would be an invitation for every single one of us tonight. And so, you know, kind of, you know, I, I just think, you know, if we talk about money or something like that, you know, I just think generosity is just the way you want to live. And you'll be tempted plenty of times not to live generously. I think church is important. I, I think reading the scriptures is really important. I don't think if you don't, you're going to get burned up and just crawl in. But I do think if you do, you're going to be led and invited towards a different way of living that is going to be different and, and, and if I can say better, than the way that we do. So when we, when we lower the moral bar, when, we, when we're stingy, when we don't forgive, when we keep God and people at arm's length, you know, when we pursue our careers before our families, when we, are, when we are so hooked on being right or looking after number one, well, what they do is they disconnect us from Jesus because we're not building on that foundation. They aren't loving at the end of the day. They break relationships, and they're a mere shadow of the magnificence that Jesus introduces us, calls us to, the beauty that he calls us to, the, the incredible privilege that he calls us to in the way that we live. And so I think it is deeply challenging, but also deeply inviting, deeply winning. I want to live like that. It's not that I'm scared of not living like that. It's like I'm invited to something that's really special to go and live like that. And I think that makes all of the difference in the world. And so what remains? What are the things that are in clear focus or should be in clear focus? And what can just drift into the background? And, and are they in the right order at the moment of these things that remain? It's worth thinking about along the way. For me, I want to suggest, you know, Jesus remains. Love remains, relationships remain. Another way of living remains and is invited to us even tonight. So let's stand, and we're just going to spend a few moments letting Jesus speak to us in these things, letting him come and be part of our service tonight. And I want to encourage you to, to enter in, in a sense. I want to encourage you to, to, to be open to the possibility of God speaking to you in a way that would be that would be life-changing. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. And if you're in the Forest Hill or the Bays area of Auckland's North Shore, we would so love to have you at our next service this Sunday. You can get details on service times and more info on our kids and student environments by visiting svc.org.nz. That's svc.org.nz. Hope you have a great day and we'll see you next time here on the podcast.